Blog Talk Radio. Greetings and good evening. My name is Joelle and I am the Vibrarian. I am here to elevate, enlighten, and empower. And on conversational elevation with the Vibrarian, I am having an opportunity to talk with people all over the country about various topics that I am finding helpful, and I'm bringing these conversations out, hoping that you too are elevated, enlightened, and empowered by the things that we discuss. I'm part of the Vibrary Collective Network, which is airing on Blog Talk Radio. We're here on Thursday evenings at 8 p.m., and the number for the show is 646-787-8436. If you're listening to the show and you want to ask a question or make a comment, just press the pound or hashtag one, and that lets me know that you want to come on. And of course, This show is distributed across the podcast network, so you are able to catch these replays on iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher and other directories. Be sure to search for the Vibray Collective so that you can find our programming. And this episode will be available on the Vibray YouTube channel within about 48 hours. And that is V-I-B-E-R-A-R-Y. And so the E is all about the energy that we bring to the table. My conversational series this week is starting a whole episode, a multi-episode conversation about the energy of grief. Now, this is being aired in early 2022, and so we all know that this has been a very interesting and intense experience the last two years as we entered the global pandemic and all of the things that we have experienced since then. And so there is a lot of grief and processing in the collective at this particular time. And I had an experience a couple weeks ago that really spurred me into wanting to have a more formalized way of bringing tools and information to people. So this is the grief conversations and we're talking about uh, unspeakable sadness, heartbreaking loss. And that is really what is at the bottom of grief is when we are feeling this deep, deep and intense energy of loss of something. Now that something may be a person, it may be a idea, it may be a way of life, there's really not a qualifier in terms of what we may feel grief about. A couple weeks ago, I was at a retreat, uh, Wusa Weekend, which is a beautiful way of people coming together to have self-care out in nature, and we were in the North Georgia mountains, and out of the 20 women over the period of about 72 hours, it came out that Two of the women were dealing with the loss of an adult child. Their children were in their 20s and 30s, and they had been grieving, and only their closest family really knew that they were carrying this, and it took them a while to feel comfortable to even disclose within the circle that that was something that they were working on. While we were at the retreat, another person 
got a call letting them know that a loved one, a former relationship partner, had been killed that very weekend in an accident. And so we were holding space for her in that moment as well. I also knew that at least two of the women beyond that were dealing with the loss of an elder family member within the month leading up to the retreat. So by that point, I was at five out of 20 people, one-fourth of the people present had actually disclosed or I had awareness that they were dealing with a grief grief issue. And I knew that there were other people who had not spoken about it, who were carrying something inside that might be heavy and that there were people struggling to support loved ones who were also grieving. And so that really was the motivation for me to bring forward the beautiful people that I know that are resources in this area so that we could begin to have a dialogue and a conversation about it. So this evening, my first guest is a woman that I had occasion to meet last year. I was at the Solistic, uh, Holistic Fair at Stone Mountain Mall, and um, that was put on by a wonderful gentleman named Arthur Jarman, and it was just a group of people who were out vending. I went to go check him out, and as I was looking around, it was very interesting because um, I had a friend who had also recently lost her son due to violence. And as I was driving to the holistic fair, it was kind of in the area that I associated with where they lived for a time. And his energy just really was around me very strongly that day as I was driving up. And I thought, why am I thinking so much about him? And I kind of put it on the back burner. And then as I was walking around, I'd seen, I think, almost all the vendors, but for some reason I continued to walk, and I went around this corner, and there was this booth with an author and a display. There were books and information, and this beautiful spirited woman was there, and it said about grief, and I thought, oh, my goodness. This is why I needed to continue walking. There is something about grief um, that I will learn from her in order to, like, help support my friend. Because quite honestly, a lot of what we have is a challenge of how can we help someone when the words that we say might seem shallow when we feel ineffective and helpless to comfort a person, you know, and here was this resource placed in my path through this young lady that I knew that it was just really a blessing for me uh, to have encountered her. So the lady in question is author Miami Knight, and Miami is the founder of Miami Knight LLC, and she has a lot of things going on. First of all, she's an author, and she has a book uh, about grief. She makes a, a spray even to help with the energies of grief, uh, you know, like a herbal and aromatherapy and holistic blend to help 
move the energies that you experience. And she's got a podcast called Grief Talk. So welcome to the conversation this evening, Miami. I'm so glad that you are here to have this discussion with me. Oh, Joelle, thank you so much. It is such a pleasure to be in the building. I truly thank you for that amazing introduction. Well, you know, when I saw you, you're quite youthful and young, and I thought, okay, what is it that has driven you into authoring a book about grief? So if you would share a little with our listeners this evening about how you came to share the medicine that you applied to your own journey with others as an author and talk show host. Okay, thank you so much. Well, I started the healing process by sharing the dynamics of the major losses that was in my family structure at the time. So I started with my father. And when I started writing this memoir, The Key Process of Grief Guide to Mastering Spiritual Healing, I was going through some of the items that were left behind from my sister that she had given to me, and I had to unpack all that stuff, right? And when I say literally unpacking, I was unpacking because I got a lot of his things that were in the suitcase. So as I was unpacking a lot of the things that I learned even about my father that I didn't know because I had just started repairing the relationship with my father because um, for some time and for some years, him and my mother, of course, was separated. So him growing up and being a um, a daily father, that wasn't there. So I dealt with abandonment issues, but I wasn't even ready to even think about um, dealing with abandonment issues. I was just really upset about and going through that stage of grief, of anger that I just, you know, reached out to my father and he came and spent seven days with me earlier that year. And then he died later on in August that year. So I have been preparing myself for, you know, getting um, to know him better, which didn't happen because of his death. And then I went through um, losing my sister, my oldest, my eldest sister. Um, she had just didn't wake up one morning. She had a hematoma on her brain and she lived in a, uh, she she lived um, in a coma for over a year and a half, and her and mm-hmm. I had just had this disagreement about her health and her drinking habits and all of those things at the time because I had this vision that something was going to happen, not mm-hmm. knowing that early on that I was being initiated into shamanism um, because I had all of these gifts that I wasn't awakened to at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so fast forwarding to 2017, now I'll backtrack. 2011, my son was shot and his best friend was killed on the same night. Um, They had, um, this was in Florida, and they knew the individuals that had set them up, and they were shot in a car. Um, Like I said, his best friend that he knew from peewee football, um, Mm -hmm. and my son was raised with his father, so I must also state that. So he was in Florida. I was here. He was raised with his father. So I wasn't the day-to-day mom. Of course, he came for holidays, birthdays, when he was out of school and what, but I wasn't the day-to-day mom. So, you know, Mm -hmm. that set me up for a whole bunch of things like guilt to deal with. And as I'm going through this experience of, of my son having this traumatic experience, and five years later, after his traumatic experience and also losing his best friend, feeling all the survivor's guilt and all of those things, going through therapy, rehab over and over again. My son died by gun suicide. So mm-hmm. trying to wrap my brain mm-hmm. simply That's around that. That is a lot. lot. <laughs> yes. So um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
No, I'm just saying that that's a lot as we pause to like feel that moment of his loss of grief of his friend and then the loss of himself through, you know, um, gunshot. Uh, that is, that is huge grief. I mean, that's, that's not your run of the mill. My grandmother died or, you know, I lost my job. That is like significant uh, emotional impact of that. Let me just say. Yeah. I was totally in a fog that first year. I can't tell you how how well I showed up for even my other children. I have still have other children. I probably wasn't showing up great as a wife or, or as a daughter to my mother who lost a grandchild as well, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I just wasn't uh, emotionally available because I just didn't know how to be because I was trying to wrap my mind uh, around that. But after a year of going through that, I decided that I needed to do something different because here's the thing. Um, the analogy that I kind of use sometimes is like when you get a car, okay? So you get this car and you see it everywhere. So, of course, I was hearing suicide on the radio, television, Mm -hmm. anything I watched. I had to just really, you know, you come, once you're going through a traumatic experience, you kind of, you know, you, um, you, you result from all the things that you, you once knew. You, you shy away from those things. You, you back yourself in this empty hole in this corner, which is, they call a grief hole. You put yourself in that hole uh, mm-hmm. just because so many things remind you, of course, of that individual, anything. It could be the smell. It could be the day of the week. Um, it's just, you know, a memory of, of, of sorts that you and that loved one shared. Um, but I, I, I going through that whole experience of that year, I decided, you know, if I'm going to be able to function and live um, this life without him, how can I do that? Um, and I was going to have to adapt to the ways that I know now, not who I once were, and you know, because we tie ourselves back to all those things that we were, um, so or was at the time. And so I had to really um, be mindful and present of this has occurred. How am I going to move through so that I can be a better mother, person, parent, wife, friend? Um, How am I going to be able to do that? And so by going through a couple of different um, things that just happened to appear or show up in my life, which was no, I I do believe it was just the, the, the long road traveled for me and how I had to get there is how I'm able to speak it before you today. How... When you were in the fog, right, and you're not responding to the world in the same way, as you said, what did you find the reaction was to from your friends and family and loved ones to your draw, you know, trauma? Like, that's one of those awkward things of how do you, a hug mm-hmm. doesn't seem to do it. Like, how... What did that happen for your friends and your loved ones and to how they reached out to support you if they could? That's a great question. And um, first of all, I was withdrawn a lot, but then I also, in that time frame, was still trying to be something that I wasn't. So um, I still was trying to um, push myself to work, to be around people, to adjust. 
at the time when I didn't even have the tools. But the one thing that I did, I immediately went back to work, um, which you can't suggest that for everyone. You just kind of have to know, like, where you are in your grief journey and what's, and what's you know, learning the tools or the, you know, things that are, that are surrounding you that can support you. So I went back to work. And when I went back to work, I immediately enrolled um, into the EAP program, which supported mm-hmm. me to have six free sessions Mm-hmm. Um, to go see a therapist. And so I did that. And I did that faithfully. And I stood up for myself. That was me standing up for myself because I needed this. And so mm-hmm. I went to the, every session. I really, truly fell in love with my therapist because mm-hmm. when I actually set the intention to find her, I said, Spirit, bring me someone that who is like-minded, who, who, who understands my grief and somewhat in there, let it be a spiritual connection with my ancestors. Lo and behold, she was close to me, really like literally around the corner. I didn't have to travel far. Lord knows I don't like to travel too far (laughs) outside of my home. So she was close. She was a black woman, and she also had my family's last name. So that right there said, okay, I found her. Um, And going through that process with her, you know, uncovering stuff that I didn't even know that wasn't, I didn't realize that was related to my grieving now, my grievances around surrounding my son, we went way back. We went to the all of the three um, major losses that I had had that really mm-hmm. kind of helped me to move through each one of them because I can, you can, here's the thing. When I was working, I learned when I was working with the gun violence prevention movement, a lot of these people are working with the energy of the loss of their child. They are not doing the background history work of the mm-hmm. other, um, of the other, yeah. um, crisis in their life or the other things that needed to be healed. So that still sparked up a lot of, you know, grievances in their daily lives. And then sometimes you can kind of see that in a person like this is not that person. They're dealing with something else. And it's not even, you know, what we're dealing with today, which is our children. There's some underlining childhood stuff or there's some underlying abandonment or there's some underlining. But I only learned that after growing through um, this mm-hmm. process of healing, of the holistic wellness part um, pertaining to grief. Now, had you encountered traditional therapy and any other aspects of your life prior to doing the work when you went to EAP through your grief? Well, I had. I had for I, I had for my own grievances from from being a I will call myself a chronic pain pain warrior. And when I used to suffer with chronic pain, which still was underlining issues of my past trauma, mm-hmm. um, which, but, but they don't talk, you know, they weren't talking about that. They, wasn't, they don't share, they wasn't sharing that those were the issues. Or maybe I didn't share enough at the time when I was working with um, therapists and I was only focusing on the pain, you know, um, mm-hmm. the pain of my neck and my shoulder and my lower back and having scoliosis and having fibromyalgia, you know, so... Of course, like before you, they want to put you on any type of medications. I remember I used to be on so much medication just to try to, you know, heal myself from the scoliosis and the fibromyalgia and the chronic pain that I had in my neck and shoulders from accidents that I've had or just from just bad posture from having scoliosis. And I didn't realize that really, to be honest with you, yes, these are some things that are present that are physically bothering me, but I had this stuff that was undealt with trauma and undealt with pain, Mm -hmm. you know, that I hadn't dealt with which I probably, if I had dealt with those things earlier on, I probably wouldn't have felt or thought I had so much um, outside physical pain to the body. 
Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the reason I ask that is because uh, there can be a certain stigma about a calling EAP. You know, there's this <laughs> idea that it will negatively affect you at work to use the benefit of EAP. You know, so sometimes people are hesitant to reach out to get uh, support from a therapist because they're afraid of um, ramifications, retaliations, or stigma. And then beyond the workplace, um, the idea of therapy uh, has Mm -hmm. a whole connotation that we have been, like, dealing with, I think, out in the open more so in the last 30 to 40 years. But there is still a strong sentiment of, oh, therapy, I'm not crazy, quote, unquote, you know what I'm saying? And Mm -hmm, it's an mm -hmm. unhealthy uh, way, but we're moving out of uh, belief systems, right, all of us? So that's why I asked to see if you had a history with therapy or if that was your first encounter. And Mm -hmm. was there any therapy then with your, that your son received after his friend was uh, murdered or after his uh, his own experience of gun violence, did he have any kind of mental support or professional to talk to? Yes, he had He had therapists, um, psychologists, counselors. He had everything that he needed at the time, um, mm-hmm. initially coming off of, you know, rehab, you know, but you have to still, that was five years. His, his transition happened five years after. So you got to, mm-hmm. you, you still have to be, willing and Mm -hmm. not coping. That was one of those words that I really just hated about um, therapy. I'm not, excuse me, it's not about therapy. That's one of the words on coping that I really hated about the process of going through grief. Of course we need coping skills, but I was more wanting people to start saying adapt. You have to adapt to these processes and these things to keep continue to continuously build on your mental health and your uh, mental awareness. And that was something that my son did. He just coped. He just, you know, mm-hmm. this was, you know, um, this is what they told me to do. I'll do it if I feel like it, you know. But on the on the other end of that, there was still all of this unresolved grief. Like I said, I wasn't present in his daily life as a mother mm-hmm. um, prior to his, 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 his being, him being injured. Now, when he became injured. When he initially was shot, I moved him here to Georgia. That's when I finally got him. And so that's how I was able to learn more about the, you know, his learn all about the rehab, you know, him going to the Shepherd Center, you know, he had to go through talk therapy. I learned so much. And I I really do believe me having that um, insight of going through all of those appointments and, and learning his struggles. I think that's why this is a part of my journey now to be able to work with the individuals that are just coping and to move beyond that, to do the healing work, because that's what I wish if I, you know, if you could, you know, the would have, could have, would have, should have, could have, the bargaining mm-hmm. part. If I mm-hmm. could go back in time, I wish I would have known what I knew now to share this gift with him. But I am, mm-hmm. I'm still doing it. So, you know, I'm doing the work now. It's a con. Like you don't ever stop doing the work, do you? I don't think so. I I, I don't. Uh, not until I'm gone. You know. Yeah. I mean, um, 
I've been to therapy for, you know, run-of-the-mill things and life things. Yeah. And, you know, the tools yeah. that you get, that's what they're tools. So you're mm-hmm. utilizing those things. Sometimes that's all you have is to grasp that tool, you know, which is the purpose. But it is kind of an active way then of shifting how you process life and yourself once you've had some good therapeutic interventions. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, so we were at the point where you went to EAP and mm-hmm. began to uh, go deep beyond the initial experience of that traumatic event, and then you started unpacking your boxes and the whole, you know, totality of the things that you were dealing with emotionally that caused loss and sadness and trauma in your life. And then what happened next? Well, so after that year of the fog, um, the first thing that I actually ended up doing was deciding. So you have to decide to do something different. That was the key. I decided to do something different. And so a girlfriend of mine, she was having a vision board party, and I opted in to go because sometimes it's just as simple as accepting the invite that when you're in grief, accepting invitations is, is, is difficult. You, you just don't feel like you can go anywhere anymore or do those things that you love. So accepting the invitation to go and to be a part and to participate. So I did that, and I went to this vision board party, and I did a two-sided board of the things that I wanted to do with my life going forward. And I actually accomplished all those things that year. I was you know, in talks about the book, which the book didn't come out until the next year, but I was in, I was strategically planning that all of the information that I had learned and and gone through and had experienced that someone else needed to know about this journey and how I was experiencing it so that I wanted to share that with the world. And throughout writing the key process of Greek God to Mastering Spiritual Killing came seven keys. And it was my journey on meditation, plant-based dieting or fasting. It was learning and becoming um, certified in mindfulness, um, learning to exercise um, more because of, of, of being a chronic pain sufferer, I didn't like to exercise. So really exercise and stretching um, was my for my better health um, and wellness. And then I learned and became certified in Reiki energy and energy mm-hmm. healing. Um, and then I became a shaman. And that's where I learned more about ancestral healing and the whole grief process um, into the Dagra traditional um, tribal um, initiation that I got into. There was this whole, you know, there was this whole training around grief and how to process grief and grief ritual and what, you know, that tribe did to, um, to you know, over a course of days. Of, of, of losing their loved ones and what they did in that time frame to connect them spiritually back to the ancestors. It's known like in Dagra's tradition for the first three days that you cry. You cry this river so that you can cry this river so that that loved one can meet the ancestor across the water. So there's this whole, you know, initiation of learning about grief and the grief process. So doing that ancestral healing training, becoming a shaman, and then by connecting all of these seven keys together, I was able to define my purpose and why I was truly gifted to be here. And as I kept learning, and I'm still learning, I'm still unfolding, I'm still unveiling more and more about my spirituality, my journey, and that's when I started 
working with other um, ascended masters and other coaches and just trying to build this brand of mine to be able to support other grievers that may have had traumatic losses like myself. Mm-hmm. A couple things are coming up as you, as you shared that. The, the traditions of grief, right, the way that we have had in the past funerals or graveside memorials, the loss of that opportunity due to the pandemic um, beginning in 2020, you know, A, the sheer volume in some communities of actual death and loss of individuals, you know, living in Atlanta, there was just I didn't know anybody in my Atlanta circle who had not lost somebody due to the pandemic. Now, my circles in other more rural areas and other parts of the country did not have that same experience of, like, death on every family that you knew. So it was a stark contrast. But one of the things of the shock of the sudden passing of the person was the loss of the opportunity to mourn as a collective by sitting shiva, by going to the gravesite, by whatever your faith practice or family practice was, that was ripped away. So the added trauma that we're dealing with now, as people finally got a chance to begin to come together to have memorial services for people and to begin to honor and memorialize their loved ones who were no longer here after this, like, intense two-year experience, I think that's why we're at a compounded place of extreme need in people to have tools, different tools developed in order to heal better than what we've been doing. I think we've all been coping, as you said, rather than necessarily adapting and emerging into new, healthier behaviors and patterns as a result of that. Absolutely. That's why um, when I kept speaking on master, what is mastering spiritual healing? And mastering spiritual healing for me was the tearing down and rebuilding of the new self, um, getting rid of that old story about who I was as a mother or whoever, or, you know, that guilty or shame or whatever I had um, related to my losses. You know, I just really had to get rid of that, tear it down, um, rebuild myself through grief education, sacred ceremony, as you stated, and also through the rites of passage of how can I, you know, be able to I know I love my loved ones, of course. You know, that's what grief is. Grief is that container that is also we hold, you know, all of our emotions as a result of that loss. But I wanted to make sure that that I wanted people to understand that this is not a disorder, nor is it a disease or a sign of weakness. This is just something that is, you know, a mental suffering and a distress of this affliction of this loss, you know that we have incurred. And so mastering spiritual healing for me, and like you said, using those tools that I have learned, these ancient Chinese, uh, ancient traditions, whether it's Chinese traditional practices, whether it's shamanism, whether it's, uh, I've also been initiated into a goddess priest um, program um, on sexual sacred healing. And so learning and combining all of that stuff to make that my own has been the mastering of spiritual healing for me and how I came to 
talk more about holistic wellness on grief. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the other things that you mentioned, backing up a little, is that you began to be active in um, an organization that was uh, to support and bring awareness to uh, violence. Like, was it gun violence, or, or what was that organization? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Moms to Man Action and also Every Town for Gun Safety. Um, I work with a network of survivors who have lost their loved ones through gun violence. And that was like, uh, that was a time in my life where I actually needed the support of women that like-minded people who knew the struggle of traumatic loss through gun violence. Because not only was I affected once, I can say it was three times because my son was shot, his best friend also was killed, and the suicide aspect with the gun. So um, it was a lot um, of uncovering and undigging and being a part of that community, which can also bring you back. You know, it, it's, it's some, some of the stories bring you back to your own loss. I could be a grief coach, counselor, whatever you call In times of you hearing trauma, traumatic stories over and over, you have to go, you have to learn how to rebuild and restore yourself from all of that um, hope for, for me holding space for those people as well, as well as for myself. But I worked with that um, network of, of moms and also brothers, dads, whoever that would be the voice for their loved one who died. And um, just becoming a, 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 we were, not only were we friends, um, not only did we build partnerships, we worked together with uh, promoting each other's, you know, businesses. Because a lot of the parents or mothers or whoever, like I said, um, is talking or speaking out on the on the individual's death, they build 501c3s, you know, to talk more about um, you know, gun violence and, and how to combat the law, you know, how to combat these laws that we have, like these crazy laws that are just turning over now about you can have a gun anywhere and everywhere that you mm-hmm. want that our governor just signed up, you know, and it's mm-hmm. getting behind those laws and being able to, you know, um, get people to understand, you know, the totality of what this is going to do to our community. Um, and I have coming up on um, – May 1st, which is I had gotten proclamation for Taiki and for his best friend on um, on black-on-black violence and healing that. So, you know, going out speaking and engaging other communities uh, to share the story. That's why I even started this podcast, my podcast, to be able to share these stories um, about, you know, loss and um, trauma and the effects that gun violence has done to our community and what's still happening. I even talked to families that have been a part of mass um, shootings. So, you know, the mm-hmm. list goes on and on. Well, you know, it's very interesting because um, I always joke and say, you know, in the social world, if you want to, like, knit sweaters using cat hair, you can find people who are knitting sweaters using cat hair. Like, you know, (laughs) you can find your tribe no matter what your tribe is. But for people who are dealing with a very specific Thing. Like you said, there is gun violence loss. There is uh, terminal illness loss. There is uh, job loss. Like, and you can find the community of people who are who can relate to you. Um, one of the mm-hmm. things the women who were sharing at the retreat, the two of them, they felt as they expressed it, they felt very alone. Because they say 
don't know what it is like to lose your child. And I can mm-hmm. I can't argue with that because A, I don't have children and you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it's a deeply personal experience. And so rejecting support and isolating is something that is it's okay. You know what I'm saying? It is okay to say yes. You don't know what it's like and to lose a child in a car accident versus to lose a child through gun violence. But to be mm-hmm. able to have the community who can understand, at least situationally, the factors are similar, I can see why that would be very important because you have certain common things that are important to you in the grief and reconciliation that would not be as strongly emphasized for people who had not gone through that particular trial that led to the emotion. Absolutely, because even, like you were saying, even within the gun violence prevention movement, there's also those that were not harmed, but they were threatened with the gun. You know, that whole, I mean, gun violence is so huge. It doesn't have to be the threat or the actual death among someone. It could just be the the threat of someone holding a gun um, in a grocery store when there's a mass shooting and I was a present even though I wasn't harmed, you know what I mean? So you can always, like you said, there's a niche to each part of the gun violence prevention movement as well as to um, other grievances that we may suffer from, which could be simply like we talked about, you talked about earlier, loss of job or your pet or, you know, um, miscarriage, you know, all of these other um, talks on grief that are stigmatized that we don't talk about either. Um, And even pandemic, you know, grief, that we have uh, become more exposed to, that we're still learning so much about, um, even today. Well, yeah, and even, it's like, I know a couple people who have interfamily loss or violence, right? Like, so a friend Mm -hmm. who she survived, but she was hit by gunfire when her, a family member, was threatening another family member, and she kind of jumped in the way to deflect it and end up having her own experience then of being shot, and it changed mm-hmm. her body and yeah. her, her function. And here you mm-hmm. are between two people who you love deeply, who are in yeah. deep conflict that are part of the family, you know, a a grandparent, a child, a cousin, a brother, and when there is inter-family or if someone is driving the car and another family member is injured or killed, the Mm -hmm. awkwardness of how do you heal in the active connection of the source of the incident still being part of all of you. You know, that is a very unique challenge. And we know that family units are affected by trauma. There are trauma patterns. There are grief patterns, as I'm sure you Mm -hmm. learned as you begin unpacking your boxes. But when the antagonizing incident is in the current family, that really who knows how to deal with it? Nobody's born knowing how to forgive, right. how to be compassionate, mm-hmm. how to carve mm-hmm. out space for their own experience of the grief and say, it's okay that I'm angry. I'm not going to feel right. guilty 
at being angry at you. Right. You know what I'm saying? And again, There's you a, know, being okay with what it looks like. Right. Because there's another interfamily, even in the gun violence prevention, and that's the unintentional shootings. Um, when there's a family member mm-hmm. or, you know, when their children are playing with guns and one child um, shoots the other child, and, and, and mm-hmm. it could very well be neighbors or it could be a family member. Mm-hmm. So can you imagine what that family has to deal with now? Because I know mothers that have gone through unintentional shootings um, with their children, and we must raise awareness around this time when there's spring break and children are getting out of school for the summer about the, the, the safety storage of your gun um, because that impacts families. It's just not going to impact the, the mother and the father. That's going to impact the other child's parent, the grandmother. You, I mean, it's going to impact, like you said, the entire makeup of that Mm -hmm. family structure. So we have to be so aware, especially when it comes to gun violence and and learning about um, um, the safety storage and how to store our guns and to keep them away and out of the hands of people that don't need them. Um, And and, and make sure you just lock them up for it because so many, like I said, I've learned so much of being a part of this network of parents that have lost their children um, due to safety storage issues. Mm-hmm. So as you emerge through, you know, activities and joining and connecting with other people and then distill- distilling what you were learning into your book and the keys and all that, did you eventually, like, depart from your first career and begin to do this <laughs> full time? Or did you, are you still, like, in a career and doing all of this on the side. Oh no. I at the time of, of losing my son, I was actually I went through I had a good friend of mine. Um she was just I was going through her coaching program because I was doing home staging at the time. Home staging and I was also working with um building my event decor line online store. Right? And this was the shock of my life. Um I had, we had made it five years, so I'm thinking that, you know, he is good. You know, trust me, there had been several attempts that he had mm-hmm. tried in the past, you know, especially closer to the time that he initially had the, the um, traumatic brain injury. Um, but over time, you just kept seeing him grow better, be better. You know, the dates didn't affect him as much. The smell, you know, the sounds didn't affect him so much. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we are thinking that he's doing great. And then as I'm building this um, online business and my um, going through this whole process of doing staging, um, this happens and this occurs. And I totally, I, I had no more passion for that. Who, mm-hmm. who, who could? Um, mm-hmm. But I went back to doing something that I know um, would would uh, require a lot of my time and data and because I was working, I I had worked at um, UPS Air and that was a lot of data entry that I was doing and I was moving shipments and uh, bringing the the, the pilots in. And so that was, you know, it, it took me away from my daily experiences to actually, you know, put, you know, all of this, my, my, my resources of what I was able to give the company at that time um, so that I could block out everything else and just have something to do. But I love that job too. Um, So I went back to um, 
going, you know, working for the man, so to speak, as opposed to Mm -hmm. my own business. I just couldn't focus on my own business. So that's Mm -hmm. why I went back to working for the airport. And I I loved it, but that's where I I was able to get, like I said, the resources that I need for working um, for UPS Air and being able to go through that EAP program. Mm -hmm. But then you departed from that too then as you wound up? Well, yeah, as as life went on. Life went on. I kept going through these stages, and as I kept going through these stages and going through um, implementing these keys, because I was as I'm learning, I'm growing, growing through it, through them at the same time. So they just didn't all happen. They just start coming to me as I was learning new. Um, traditional techniques, as I was learning how to, you know, use Reiki as a practice and also use it for myself, as, you know, as I was learning to um, learn more about energy healing, as I started creating these practices, using these practices, coming more in tune with my mindfulness and being more aware and aware of, you know, who I was as an individual um, outside of my son. I, I needed to just really get me together, not to who I am as a mother, who I am as a daughter or a wife. I needed to figure me out. And so on that process of me doing all those things, this trying to just shift. I, it was almost like uh, now I know that I'm chosen for this type of work. It took me some years to understand that, but I know now that I was chosen for this generation to work um, on things ancestrally, um, to work with generational bloodline patterns and the energetic patterns that were placed on my family's life. You know, from I mean, all of those things, I start learning, learning more and more and more, and it's taken, I've been in this for four years now. It's been five mm-hmm. years since Taiki died, but it's been four years in this business of building this spiritual um, community and what it looks like because every time um, a death occurs that's close to me in my life, there's a new journey. Last year, mm-hmm. last April, I just came up on my a year anniversary of losing my middle sister. I talked about my older sister. Now, mm-hmm. last year, I lost my middle sister, right, just out of the blue. She has a heart attack. Get a phone mm. call. She's no longer here. I just talked to her two days prior to. She was a, such an advocate for me as well, still doing work with me in Florida to support anything that I was doing in the name of my son and his best friend. So she would often show up to events and whatever. And so she was supposed to be attending this event that I was supposed to be going that I couldn't make it to. But lo and behold, I ended up going anyway because my sister passed and I had to be there for, you know, her um, arrangements. So I ended up being there anyway. Um, so that was, that's what we call a common spiritual experience. This so mm-hmm. happened that I ended up a place where I said I wasn't going, I ended up going anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so going through that walk of losing her and I kept saying, okay, this was unexpected. Like they all majority of your losses are, um, if they're just, you know, quick and fast. And if you're not, if it's not one of those losses that you're preparing for, like someone that you know is sick and dying. So as I'm transitioning through this, um, loss of my sister, I started going to meditation and that's how, that's where I'm, I met, oh gosh, what is his name? So I go into the meditation, uh, meditation on memorial, um, and, and that, yes, yes, yes. And that's where I met him, and he was just so inspirational too in my journey, because um, I do a lot of shaman, uh, shamanic journey, and he just helped open me up to more of the shamanic journey, and because I was having blockages, of course, because I had just lost someone, you know. Mm-hmm. And so as I'm going through this whole process and he challenged me, he said, Miami, here's like, now you talked about doing, um, you used to do spiritual baths. He said, I'm going to challenge you. We're having this event. 
I want you to show up with your spiritual bath. I tell mm. you, I, I just, you know, I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do it. I, I, just, I just don't have the energy right now. I just lost my sister. So I went inward, and I asked Spirit, Spirit, what am I supposed to do with this part of this journey? I'm, you know, I'm going through this experience, and I need to just shut down for a minute and figure out what is it that you want me to bring to grievous at this point. And what he said to me, what Spirit said to me, what Spirit spoke into my spirit was, books, baths, spray mist, and oils. And so that's how I came up with my spiritual line, self-care product line. Um, of course, I had the book already. Mm-hmm. We talked about me already doing spiritual baths um, prior to, and I wanted to create this um, spray mist with all of the ingredients that help grievers. So if those are essential oils and, and crystals and, you know, anything metaphysical that would work, I really studied and did the research on what this elixir could be like to be able to support a griever. And that's how I met you because you did buy um, the book and also um, you um, ordered the grief support calming mist and spray for your dear friend that had lost someone. So I so appreciate you pouring back into me and and giving my um, products a chance and an opportunity. And then I also came up with a a time, um, time to heal oil, which is a manifestation oil and an intention oil and a blessing oil of your home. Well, you know, I was so happy when, like, I was, as as always, I'm like, oh, everything is always in line. We're led to the ram in the bush and what we need. And there, you know, I when you're trying to comfort a friend, again, we're, we're, I'm not a professional therapist. You know, I don't play one on TV. Like, I'm, so I know when I've exceeded my ability in terms of friend support, And I really wanted to do something to let my friend know that, you know, here's something, anything, you know, like you start throwing darts, like throw anything you can at a person. But I knew that because you were actually a person who had experienced grief and I had thumbed through your book and we chatted a little bit, I was like, this is going to be something. I don't know how she'll use it, when she'll use it, but it's something to send her and maybe in the right time and place of season, it will open up or heal her. Or even if she just gives a little, you know what I'm saying? If it yeah, yeah. energy in that moment, then it is then something that I couldn't do not being there to hug her. So, I actually am bringing on the air at this point in time, my friend um, who I sent the information, the the packet to from you, and I asked her to join us for the conversation because I wanted her to share as much as she is comfortable about, you know, the receiving of the book and the spray. So uh, respecting her privacy, dear friend, thank you for coming on the Grief Conversation this Hello. Hi, everyone. My name is Lala, and um, thank you, Joelle, for inviting me, and thank you for everything that you've done in my journey of grief with my son's uh, death uh, from murder, gun violence. Um, I don't know where to start, but I will say that it does really help to have people um, around you to support you. Um, as Joelle stated, um, you know, not 
not being a parent, um, you you can't really connect with that type of loss. But Joelle is the individual that went to the police station with me. Mm-hmm. Joelle is the individual who actually eulogized my son's service. Mm-hmm. And um, it just came together. And I wish that we all could see the ceremony again, which it was an awesome blessing to me um, because she really um, emphasized um, my motherhood. And she, although she had only briefly personally met my son, she was able to um, pull out information and and bring forth a, a wonderful eulogy um, on his life. And, and I thank you for that. And it was awesome. As you stated, Miami, um, well, I think Joel stated this, that, you know, uh, for uh, services, uh, funeral services, uh, we're used to the traditional, you know, type of situation. Well, I was, um, of course, this came up, very abruptly, and I was also in a situation where I had already decided to move from Atlanta, and um, so I I was trying to accomplish that as well as I lost my son and had to do the service. So in the midst of, um, you know, the pandemic, you know, having church services and funerals are just not the best thing, but I really am... That was a time where I was able to see that you don't need all of the fanfare to show the love for your loved one. Things are, you know, can can be different. So that that's the I, I wanted to share that about, you know, actually the support that I got to actually uh put my son to rest. Um and Miami as I listen to you speak, um we we have so many things in, in common, and um, I'm, I'm glad to hear how you know you know you took your grief and, and instead of you know really focusing on his grief, you see it as a journey, and I I really like that because that's kind of where I find myself. Um, within a couple weeks of losing my son, I was living in, I moved from uh, Cobb County, Marietta, to uh, Florence, Arizona. Never been to this place before, um, but I this is where I moved to. And I had already planned to move to Arizona, but uh, more so to Phoenix or something. But I'm here in Florence, Arizona right now. And as you stated it, it it is a journey because it's like you you no longer have this part of you half of your heart is ripped out but it's like you you still have to live your life and we can't imagine that it's a mistake that these things have happened to us if we really truly believe we 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 can't really focus on it's a mistake and as you stated um I was to start a job like a couple days after my son was murdered, and they actually referred me to EAP. I have been taking advantage 
of that service as well. I happen to get 10 free um, sessions. And just as you mentioned, everything fell into place. You stated mm-hmm. that the person was right in your area. She was a black lady that you could connect to. Well, on my journey, I'm not around black people, but my therapist that I connected with, I could walk to her office. It's about a mile and a half from me. She's an older white lady, and but she's has been perfect to assist me through my journey because she, too, in her practices, it is about mindfulness, you know, mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. not really focusing on, you know, the grief aspect, but more so focusing on the journey and, you know, being mindful and, and, and accepting um, what has happened in order for you um, to grow. So um, I'm not going to go on and on, um, but thank you. Oh, and about the book, I have to be honest with you. I have not read it. I, 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 I have not read it. And the reason why I haven't read it is because when and I, I and another friend bought a book too. I got about halfway through that, but the reason why and this is something that I need to strengthen myself on. The main reason why I haven't read it is because when I sit down and have to focus on something and it's about grief, if I hear anything about shot, you know, mm-hmm. dead, yeah. any that I'm crying. It could be traumatizing. So yeah. that's yes. So that's yeah. the only reason why I haven't read it. But just in having to come into this uh, meeting, mm-hmm. in, into this call, I kind of, um, you know, kind of went through it. And yeah. I could, I, the little that I have seen, I can really connect with it. And the other thing that I, I love about your journey is that, you stated that you 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 start doing other things and realizing, well, I'm here now, and then what am I supposed to be doing from here rather than connecting with the past? You're like, what am I supposed to be doing from here? And that's what uh, the manifestation of the whole process, you know, is Absolutely. that that's what's in you to, you know, that's what your journey is. That's what your purpose is in this. And as as the grief is sad, it is a purpose in us losing our loved ones. And we just have to find that. And, um, and we won't find it by staying on the depressed side about it or staying on the grief side about it. Uh, we have to get on the peace side about it. Yes, Lala, thank you so much for sharing your story and your honesty and all that you have gone through. Thank you for allowing us to hold this space for you. And as long as I'm sure Jonelle has held space for you, thank you for allowing the people to support you. Because sometimes with grievers, we don't even give other people the opportunity to support us. So thank you for allowing that. And the, the my book is a catalyst to for me. It was really for me, to be honest with you. It was for me to see the growth and how I had overcome such different types of losses. And then when I, of course, and I totally understand about the triggering of 
which can be a trigger of you reading about more gun violence, more gun violence. But I have been a part of a gun violence. This was prior to me being even a part of the gun violence prevention movement when I wrote the book. This was prior to that. But I needed to get it out. And because I had known early on that I would be writing and sharing the story of my son's process from um, his initial shooting. I wasn't planning to write a, a, a book about his death. I was planning to write about his, his experience of going through the gun violence um, event, you know, the trauma of all of that. But it ended up, of course, being this loss and combining the other losses and the other types of losses. So I do understand you not being able to at that time go through it. But I also do have courses on talking about grief in a manner that if there is triggering um, events or if there is triggering um, materials, how to spiritually connect yourself with mindfulness and how to connect yourself with your inner spirit, meditation, um, mindfulness, um, just over and over of rebuilding that practice for yourself. Like what is your daily practice? Do you meditate? You know, really jotting those things down, um, really creating a plan and a path for how you want to show up in the world daily. Um, so you can go to my website, anyone, you can go to my website and see all of those different training um, classes and workshops and things that I do because I do understand the process of being triggered by other people's trauma. And you know what? Yes. I was also thinking as you both were talking, and I think that uh, Lala and, and I have definitely talked about this. In the case of her son, there is still an unresolved and open police investigation, right? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. we're a year and a half past the event, almost, and the open nature of the resolution through the justice system, right? So mm -hmm. when, it, mm -hmm. like, when you know that uh, you could get a call at any moment reopening where you have to talk with the, you know, the police officers or the investigators, you know, that was one of the parts of the experience that was actually rather traumatizing was the lack of good handling on behalf of law enforcement in terms of delivering mm -hmm her the information um, mm -hmm. so that itself so if you're you don't know if you get a Georgia call on your phone that says DeKalb County if they're going to call mm -hmm. and tell you something painful that opens it right. all back up again how do you from an active state of maybe needing to manage that and yet still grieve through the pain in a way that you uh -huh. are journeying rather than protecting yourself from future harm. Here's the thing. Aligning yourself with like-minded people. So that would be other mothers of the, of the gun violence prevention movement if you decide to go in that manner. Like right now, currently, they have this National Crime Victims' Right Week that um, helps um, talk about and remove the bar barriers of achieving, achieving justice for all victims of crime. So being a part of these um, national groups will help. Also, um, I, I remember early on that I was a part of um, – um, um, trauma, I can't even think of the names right now, but I was a part of different groups 
um, in the gun violence prevention movement that was just uh, working with, I, I remember I was working with Bullets for Life, which is an organization who creates bullets out of bracelets. You know, I was surrounding myself with like-minded people and mothers or, or family members that was understanding of what I was experiencing. At the same time, still building my daily practice of using these skills I needed to help me to decompress, which is the meditation, which is eating healthy, which is, you know, using the, the tools that we, we have inside of us. We have, we can heal ourselves within ourselves. So learning more tools to be able to decompress, which was learning um, Chinese tra- traditional techniques like Qigong and, 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 and learning um, how to flow with the universe, those types of things. I was able to align myself with ways and practices to self um, heal myself to the holistic realm of that, to be able to go inward, to find my own. I am my own peace. I am my inner peace. And Mm -hmm. really connecting to that energy. Um, But I only did that by practice, 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 and showing up to do the work. There are, let me tell you, there are so many days I don't want to do none of this. I don't want to talk to nobody about grief. I don't want to deal with nobody about grief. I don't want to, I don't want to admit, I don't want to hear the word grief. But yet, because I have to know how to restore myself sometimes in order for me to support somebody else, for me to come on these podcasts and talk to people about grief, I have, you have to have a very stern practice of self-care. That's number one. Number Mm -hmm. one, make sure you have a self-care practice that you are going to effectively use each day. I mean, I know there's time that you may not, but still, there are some things on your self-care plan list that you can do, even if that's just breathing. Mm. Just simply breathing is the most essential thing that we do. That's one of the things, the first thing we do when we come into this earth, and it's the last thing that we do afterwards. But our hearing leads last. So by hearing the word, which is whatever your holistic practice is, your daily practice is, doing that and connecting with people that can support you will be a, a good advice. Well. And Lala, yes, you know, you. Lala's still on the line, and I wanted to share there was a moment right after her son's uh, passing that all of the arrangements and the family things and then, you know, dealing with his father and his siblings' reactions, and I remember, Lala, you said, I have to continue with what I had already planned for myself. Like there was this this survival. I, I I love myself. Yes, my son is gone, but it will not serve me to derail my previous plans. All just to stay here to be something in other people's grieving process. And I remember, Lala, you were like, I have I have to do. I have to do this. I have to move. That's what I was planning to do anyway, you know. And so Mm -hmm. choosing self, even though you might have been scrutinized or judged by other people in their pain, you were like, I just can't do this. I can't, no, not even just the pain, part of the pain of being in Atlanta still with the presence of the memory, but you already had a plan in place for your own career and growth and life journey that you recommitted to in that after effect of everything. And I'm so great. I feel so blessed that I did that because 
I had already planned to move here. I had no idea that my son would get murdered. I got the call two days before I was supposed to leave. Um, but I think that the universe was already looking out for me because yeah, yeah. over here it has been a place of healing. Like I, it don't rain over here, so I don't get cloudy days. You know what I'm saying? Because that mm-hmm. that brings you that brings me down. And I love right. Atlanta and the, and the different seasons. But but in this last year and a half, that's something that I I, I could use more sunny days than cloudy days. So mm-hmm. uh, that has been a true blessing. Um, the sunrises and sunsets and mountains that I see, it has really helped me in my healing process and I have um, actually um, here recently been more focused on uh, you know I love nature but I had you know kind of not in it but I'm, I'm making it a point to get out in nature and do things that are adventurous you know um, mm-hmm. because I'm still here and I want to do what I'm here to do you know <laughs> So um, I'm so happy to hear you, you know, say that you were connecting. I'm so happy to hear that you're connecting with the elements because um, that's a huge part of our healing process, connecting to the elements. You know, when um, I was when I started out my self-care journey of I was telling Joelle earlier that I started with this vision board party and then I started going to these women retreats and, and then I went through the process of forgiveness, which was um, getting rid of some things that that was embedded in me that I didn't even realize I needed to forgive. And after I went through that women's retreat, did that forgiveness ritual, and then the next step was for me to finally go to my son's um, grave site. I had not been in that whole year of um, after his death. I, I just, that wasn't, a, I didn't see him there. I mean, I saw him, his, his, I saw the casket go on the ground, but as far as that, that was it, that was it for me. I just didn't feel that that's where he was because I, I still had him, I still have him in my heart. So a physical place wasn't, I, I didn't care about a physical place. And so what I did was I went back because my name is Miami. My father named me after the Miami Sunrises. And I had never had this connection oh, wow. to the Miami Sunrise because we left when I was three years old. So I didn't learn, I didn't know a lot about Miami and the tradition and the culture of Miami. So what I did was I went back because the elements was calling me. It was calling me to reconnect with that very moment that God and my and my father came together and said, this is the moment right here. Her name is going to be Miami because he foreknew who I was before I got here. I was created out of thought. But I didn't have that experience. But I went back to the elements to see that um, the sun connect at the water's edge and to learn about who I was. So going back and visiting the, the elements and all of that just brought all of the spiritual awakening. That's where I had my spiritual awakening. All of this just brought this awareness that, I am a child of God, and I don't have mm-hmm. to live in this. I don't have to be here. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be in this brief. I don't have to, you know, just constantly talk, talk, talk about my son's death because I live. Mm-hmm. And he can live through me. I can, I can, you know, I can mm-hmm. still have him. I, you know, I still talk to him as he's still here, you know. So I know you've had several common spiritual experiences with your son. You know, even like you said, you moving was already pre-planned before this even happened. So right. I'm, I'm looking more to learn about your journey as it keeps going ahead. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, I will. I will. I will. You know, stay in touch with you because I think uh, you can definitely, you know, with your, um, you know, master spiritual healing, um, you can definitely probably help me with this journey. But I, I do see that we have some things in common about, you know our children as well as how we are taking on our journey. And one other thing I wanted to comment on is the guilt. That is the heaviest um, thing, the hardest thing for me because you always feel like, what could I have done better, you know? Um, You know, we happened to have a conversation that day that wasn't the great conversation, but I didn't have a bad relationship with him, you know what I'm saying? Right, you were being a mother. Just a week before. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. exactly. But I can't, you know, I, I can't really get over that particular conversation. Like, oh, I wish it would have been something else, or I wish I would have called him later. Um, you know, because I would usually, if I had a conversation with him, I would then say something positive. But that time, you know, and I was being a mother, and he's twenty-eight. He was twenty-eight years old, and he's an adult too. So, you know, even that. I just have to be mindful of it and mm-hmm. um, know that he loves me, I love him, and I'm not the one that murdered him, you know. Yes, and all the while that he was here, I uh, did everything to make it, you know, for him to have the best life possible. So that's Absolutely. what I, you know, embrace. But, you know, you know, we know that that's what we've done, but that guilt somehow creeps yeah. in. Like, what else could I have done? It's a it's a part of the grieving process. I have an episode in in my play, playlist on mental health, on mental wellness for men, where I spoke to um, one of my my guests. His name is Reed Peterson, and he goes over these different types of guilt that we may experience, like survivor's guilt. Uh, relief guilt of someone that passes or dies. Um, and that relief guilt is because if someone was suffering, you know, you may have this relief about them, them, them dying. Um, a survivor's guilt is that guilt that if a person, you know, that was left behind, or they have this remorse, which we all go through, that, especially as parents, we have that remorse of them leaving. Um, there's also something that's called joy guilt that he talked about of being okay, um, that you know, maybe you're a person that is invited to a, you go to a funeral with someone, um, with a friend of yours, just the whole space, right? And if you go there, you're not, you're not participating in this grief because you maybe don't know the person well, but that is a part of that, that is a guilt that you don't, that you don't feel bad. You, you, so that's why they consider joy, uh, joy gift. Maybe you're just the observer on that particular day. And, and that's why you're having this, this feeling of guilt. And then he talked about magical thinking, like perhaps, at some point you um, had some ill wishes or a person um, ends up dying and then that's magical thinking on give. And then there's that long-standing personality factor um, due to family dynamics and the, that type of guilt. So there's so many types of guilt. And just as a parent, y'all, I mean, any parent will come on and tell you, yes, I've had guilt for so long, you know, with my children. I wish I could have did this. I wish I could have done this better. I wish I could have spent more time. You know, all of those things that we wish we could have done, which is a part of the stages of grief and bargaining. But yet here we are still doing what we're supposed to be doing and having the conversation about our losses. Mm. Right, exactly. 
Lala, I thank yes. you for coming on and uh, for just talking about your experience. I know it's something that I approach you about with respect and uh, for your personal, you know, I did not want to make any more pain or, uh, and I know you're a deeply private person. So I thank you for coming on this evening and I'm very it reinforces my gratitude that I was able to connect you and Miami through her book and spray and through Arthur's event, because I do know that your son's energy, as we said, your son's energy was with me that whole ride down Memorial Drive. And, you know, I understand why, because the connection needed to come forward for this supportive moment. And then for our listeners who will also so carry this energy and the things that you shared and that Miami is sharing with us and that the rest of our guests will have. Hopefully people will tune back in. So I do thank you, Lala. And I'm going to put you back thank on the you. listener line. <laughs> thank um, you. Bye-bye. All right, so, uh, you know, Miami, thank you again because we really do – our own experience, if I can just be a lesson for someone else, right? And sometimes we're unintentional lessons, right? Where people are like, oh, I see what she did. I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? But to be a raw and lesson to allow people into your painful journey by writing about what happened uh, with your son and then the evolution of what that changed into with the keys that you then brought forward. Now, your book, is this the only book that you've written? Well, actually, I do have another. Well, well, a surrounding healing, yes, it is. Okay. Okay. I don't know why. I don't know if if you've got another (laughs) book coming because, you know, sometimes I get Well, it's on on home staging. So I wrote a – it's more so a, a, a collection of how to go about home staging. So that it's not pertaining to um, spiritual healing, but yes, I have written, this is my second book. But okay. yes, I, yes. Now your podcast, how long, let's, let's talk about that because I mean, you're a talker. So when did you begin to decide to have conversations uh, out in forum uh, and how long have you been broadcasting? How can people connect with your show? All of that good stuff. Okay, so since 2018, it was like New Year's Eve um, of 2018, and I decided, you know what, um, I'm going to I'm going to have to work vigorously on sharing all that I am, not just the grief. I wanted to also um, share the parts of my life that. Um, I really, my first love was music. Um, so I come from a musical background. Of course, I grew up in the church. I was um, signed to a record label. And so um, music has been a huge part of my life. And my father actually used to be um, a, a jazz radio host. So music, being on the air, doing all that has been a part of my bloodline. So I definitely wanted to bring that to um, my listeners. I wanted to really have resources. That's really what my um, podcast is about, is to vocally assist grievers on all types of grief, just not, you know, traumatic grief. It's on healing. Um, I definitely talk to people. Like I said, um, I have a, a playlist for the gun violence prevention movement. I have 
on um, mass shootings. I may have, I have a playlist on just meditation. I have a playlist on education and training and workshops that I do. I have it on just, you know, me just being creative because I'm just a creative being. I love to play the drum. I have two different drums that I play. I play a hand pan and I play a frame drum. Um, that mm-hmm. comes a little bit from my shamanism training. Um, but I, I love connecting with music. So, and then I do, I, I sing. So I kind of, I kind of put all that together to create this resource for people can go back to and listen. Like I said, I was talking to my friend Henri Peterson on, on guilt. And like I said before, I talked to plenty, I talked to therapists, licensed therapists, um, different um, business owners, depending upon like, Say, for instance, a young lady that um, she is a editor, book editor. So she came on and she, she said how therapeutic it is to write and write about your story. And she was actually my first book editor because I had three different ones, but she was my first editor for the first um, edit. And so I, I talked to other coaches, you know, so I wanted to just have this resource um, for people to be able to go back to, because a lot of times, say, for instance, and I'm sure you get this too, um, you may have people that you run into, and you can refer them to an episode as opposed to you, you know, mm-hmm. pouring so much into them when you can say, hey, I have a quick reference right here for you, or that ele- elevator pitch that you may give to someone, hey, check out my playlist on da-da-da-da-da. But I just wanted mm-hmm. resources for the community, for the grieving community anyway, in which I call my listeners, the Grief Nation listeners, to come in and fellowship and, and engage and, sh- and share your comments, share the, the you know, share the stories and, and um, learn more about, because I do a lot of promoting um, with my um, podcast. I make sure that the individual that comes on my show, that they um, are promoted well, that they know, that people knows about their business, that they get to share who they are and all of the, you know, all that they can give to, to help us through this experience or what I even have, you know, done um, podcasts on women who have, have had miscarriages. And that is mm-hmm. so, um, that's one of those stigmatized losses that we rarely mm-hmm. talk about. So I wanted to create this space so that individuals could come and learn about the stories that people rarely talk about or because my, mm-hmm. my father, his tagline on my podcast is, I talk about things you think about. That was one of his, that was one of his, his um, taglines that he would often say. And so that's kind of how my, my podcast developed. I talk about things you think about, those unspoken mm-hmm. things that people don't like to talk about. So that's how it started. Mm, I like that. You know, it's very resonant, of course, for um, the work that I'm doing here with these conversations. And I always talk about, you know, the, as the vibrarian, or I have a vibrary or co- resource collection, and I envision mm-hmm. these episodes are like books on the shelf, and that at any wow. time you can move into that space and check out the resource that you need, be it a podcast episode, a website, a book, a service yeah. provider, a location, you know, so I, it's like a living resource library contained within each of us that is here to assist our fellow travelers in this life. And so I will make sure that I link out after I've got my little structure together, I'm going to do my little library and magic and make sure that I link <laughs> out to the subtopics of your 
podcast because I, I could name somebody in every category that you talked about that I'm like, ooh, I will send them that. Oh, I'll send, you know. And this is <laughs> yeah. where we're talking about, like, the physical loss of a person grief. Mm-hmm. We've, we've got other conversations to have in this series because for some people they may not resonate with the loss of a loved one and not realize mm-hmm. that the loss of their normalcy, quote, unquote, after their job layoff or mm-hmm. after work from home sent them home or after mm-hmm. their kids began to be their full-time responsibility <coughs> and they lost their free time and their way of living, all mm-hmm. those things mm-hmm. are separate. We are dealing with grief in a very, as much real way as we are about the grief that uh, stems from death of a person. So, right. Yeah. They, I, 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 I think a lot of times when people forget, like you were saying, you know, there is over 43 types of life altering events and there's there and counting. I'm sure pandemic hadn't even hi- happened prior to this, but like you mentioned, um, say divorce, marital separation, imprisonment that we don't even talk about. That's a grief. Um, trouble with your boss, sexual difficulties, pregnancy, mis, mis you know, miscarriages, which is mm-hmm. death. But uh, our mortgage, you know, foreclosing mm-hmm. in our homes and, and loss of trust, loss of approval, pandemic grief, you know, there's so many change in activities um, that we definitely saw around the pandemic. You know, change in our activities was just, you know, a huge, huge one, especially for seniors um, that was um, greatly affected by um, the pandemic. But, yeah, there are over 43-plus types of life-altering events that we suffer um, from with grief. Mm. That you know, I love facts and statistics. So I'm like, oh, 43. I guess I could probably sit down and <laughs> begin to compile a list. But part of it is that honest self inventory. Like when I started posting about grief, you know, I had a couple of people say, oh, I'm an expert on that, you know, and chime in and kind of speak up. And it's like, yeah, if we actually did a personal inventory. Mm-hmm. We would find out that there are some things that we honestly are still sad to the point of pain, right? Like, so we can be mm-hmm. sad without it mm-hmm. being, like, deeply, deeply painful, <clears throat> you know? Like, I love my grandmother. I miss her. You know, I'm sad that she passed, but, like, the deep, shocking, take-your-breath-away pain of that mm-hmm. is not part of my active experience of grief, but I'm still have some grief nonetheless, you know? Mm-hmm. So I yeah. think if we took the time to go within, each of us could probably put four or five things down without too much thought about, hmm, you know what? Maybe I never did really grieve the loss of my relationship because I was too busy fighting it out in court for all the things mm-hmm. that I didn't have time to grieve. I was too busy looking mm-hmm. for another job. I didn't have time to grieve the loss of all that I had invested in my professional life, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I told, yeah, I, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because that's why for me, um, holistic wellness is such a part of my training programs. Um, because 
I want people to not only go within, but go within, find out those things that we have buried that are beneath the surface. You know, there's this thing called the iceberg syndrome. So, you know, we can grieve about the things that we see or or what's on top of the surface, but what about those things that are unspoken? You know, the things that we mask, because we do mask grief too. So what are those things that we're masking, which could be childhood trauma, which could be um, also just loss, just loss surrounding other things that we discussed as, you know, altering events um, that have, you know, shown up in our life over time. Like even we, what we don't even realize, the simplest thing of grieving, of becoming an empty nester, losing your children to them becoming adults, you know, that's something that we may not have really worked on as far as leaving my children leaving the house and now how am I supposed to even cook for one person now if I'm a single parent you know what I mean so mm-hmm. that's something that we may think that we don't need to grieve that we mask oh they're they're gone now sometimes it's you know sometimes people are excited that the children are gone but mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes we do mask the fact that oh my god I'm having to really deal with my children leaving and me becoming an empty nester how can I um operate in a manner that I'm just not a daily parent and that I'm just, it's just me now. And that can really traumatize somebody into, um, you know, spiraling out in other ways. You, I mean, I've seen so many case studies of different types of um, life altering events that have happened to a person and how they respond to it. So it's really the response of the grief um, that really that like your family, your therapist, your counselor, the people on your job are able to witness when you're just experiencing as you're experiencing, everybody else is witnessing it. And so, Mm -hmm. and they're becoming observant of your reactions that you have no clue that you're, how you're responding. But a lot of times the surface grief that is happening, if it was a traumatic loss, not only are you dealing with that, you're dealing with some underlying mass grief from childhood or just some things that you'd never wrap your mind around that you even was asphyxiated on, and this is something that I'm grieving. Because we just didn't have the education. It wasn't talked mm-hmm. about, so we didn't know that it was a grievance that we were experiencing. Mm-hmm. What are some of the ways, that, just a few of the ways, then, that you uh, a person could observe a person masking their grief? Okay, um, not talking about it, um, being standoffish, you know, re, you know, not participating in um, activities. Um, masking could be a whole lot of different other things too. It could be um, um, acting as if you're well. Oh, oh everything's fine. Oh, well, I'm doing okay. You know, mm-hmm. um, as as well as just not, you know, being present. Um, resorting, I mean, actually stating that, no, I can't attend, I'm tired, you know, creating all these false truths. Oh, I'm so tired today. And really, you could be tired, but you're, 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 you're putting yourself deeper into the depression of the loss. And I'm not saying depression is in a state, depression, excuse me, depression is a stage of grief, but there's, there's types of depression. So when you're just really not being mindful of how you're taking care of yourself, you're wanting to self-harm, you don't want to live, you know, all of these things that, you, you know, you start telling yourself these, um, you're really um, 
in that self-loathing that you're not good enough, you know, you're you're masking everything that could actually help you, and you're suppressing um, the actual natural feeling of grievance, like going through the actual stages, because there are these stages that definitely do occur that's normal we are we do we are we do go through the denial period or the shock of it all um we do become angry which is normal we do bargain like we've mentioned over and over we do become depressed and then we do get up get to a point that we accept but masking is not participating in any of these stages just acting as if nothing's going nothing's changed nothing's happened mm-hmm. as if you don't need to deal with it and you're going to have to, it's going to come out some kind of way, right? Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. One way or the other, the reality is, the the bottom line is that something is not there that was there before, and it causes you right. pain, you know. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you've touched yeah. a little bit about and uh, this, and I'm going to give this reference because I'm a librarian, I can't help it, but uh, the five <laughs> stages of grief is like a foundational uh-huh. teaching that has evolved over the years, but it still yeah. is one of the pillars. Uh, I think Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, if you want to go look yes, at her yes. materials, and is talking about what denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. And one thing I remember my therapist talking with me as I was working through uh, getting ready to be divorced is that it's not linear, <laughs> first of all. Yeah, it's yeah. not like you hit one and then you're done. Well, right. I'm done with denial now. Now I'm on an anger, you know. Oh, you got to go back to bargaining because you need to, <laughs> you know, so it's not like yeah. going to high school or grade yeah. school. It's not right. linear. <laughs> And mm-hmm, there is mm-hmm. no time period that you're supposed to hit in terms of developmental markers. Like, oh, well, mm-hmm. you've had six months now. Right. You should be mm-hmm. past the anger. It's been 10 years. Are you still angry? You know? Um, yeah. So part of that uh, acceptance of being where you are, and yes, you have the labels and the language that talk about certain things that might happen in a stage, but there's no mm-hmm. wrong grief. It just right. is right. what it is. Yeah, you know? I'm so grateful that you did mention that about it being nonlinear, and um, I, I had to learn this um, throughout my journey of this non-chronological set of emotions that we've just talked about. And this framework of grief awareness and knowledge that I didn't realize existed when I first went through um, this process of losing my son. I, of course, I didn't know about it as far as when I lost my dad and my sister, but I definitely was very curious. Like I said, I really wanted to know about this word suicide. I don't know if I mentioned that before, but I was really curious about this word suicide that I just could no longer take that being embedded in my solar plexus where it was holding space and kept me sick. Um, you know how when you feel that, that you have this space in your, in your gut that just can't be removed? And I kept mm-hmm. having that feeling every time I kept hearing the word suicide, and I wanted to be able to 
um, get through this process. And so that's what helped me by researching. And when I started researching about suicide, that's how I came across this grief coach that was helping people understand more about grief. So that's where the knowledge and the education and the grief awareness came from me by me um, actually becoming a part of a a master grief coach um, certification training program, which helped me to understand more about the knowledge and the, and you know, the lingo of being a part of the grief community. Um, But yes, thank you so much for, for making sure that people understand it's not in that chronological order. Um, They do come at all times and at different times because me learning um, that my grief and like there are two parents right that my son had he has a mother and he has a father well my son's father is still on the road of trying to understand these stages and I'm light years beyond that but I mm-hmm. had to be okay with where he's at he's, he if he's not there yet it's okay we still you know still have conversations and loving conversations surrounding our son but I do know um, I do respect where he still is because he's the one that found my, our son. So mm-hmm. I still understand that there's a difference in how I'm grieving through this process right. and with him being the the, um, the custodian parent that raised him and also finding him um, when he transitioned. I know that there's still a lot of work surrounding that. So I still hold space and I still just like to talk to him about our son, the good times, um, mm-hmm. to help, you know, keep him balanced, you know, to keep us both balanced and still trying to be, we're still parents, even though our son is no longer here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's very powerful that you are able to be supportive of each other. For some parents, there's a gap of the situation that led to the relationship to dissolve that impacts the ability to be compassionate or to have empathy or to hold space and respect for each other in that process. And I know that- But that's what you call grief work. Yeah, that can exacerbate the grief because when you're encountering your ex-partner and the person who Mm -hmm. co-fathered or parented this child with you, it's already got that previous grief and anger tainting Mm -hmm. or not tainting, but impacting the Mm -hmm. new Mm -hmm. loss and grief that's there. So it becomes very complex. So that is, I think, a positive that you can say about you and your son's father to be able to be in a good place, a better place than some. With that. But hey, it, it, it's it's been it's the grief work. It's 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 the when I say that I had to go through so much understanding of myself and forgiveness of myself, and you know, like we talked about that guilt, that guilt, that guilt. Once I am able to open myself up for forgiveness for past whatever it was in my life, not even this has nothing to do with him. I'm talking about me personally, my inside of being mm-hmm. able to forgive my life, my, my, my life experiences, and things that I had gone through. It gave me the space to even have forgiveness for whatever him and I had ever experienced and to be able to build and have more compassion for his journey. Because initially I didn't care about anybody's journey, but mine, but like, this Mm -hmm. is where I said, it's the grief work, the holistic wellness that has gotten me to this point that I can have these conversations today with him, even though we still, we still, you know, go back forth and back and forth, but still I have the compassion and and I, and I have the forgiveness in my heart to know that he is a human being having this um, 
he is a spiritual being having this human experience of losing his son. So I have to be okay with that and where he is in order for mm-hmm. both of us to move on to share Tyke's story. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is a, you know, this, uh, this gives me so much things that I'm thinking as we're, you know, it spurs even more thoughts and uh, conversations to be had just from uh, our sharing as this, as we've, spent this time together. Uh, for those who want to connect with you and to check out your book, your podcast, of course, we will have the links to your website and things in the notes for this show as mm-hmm. it's republished. But could you share yeah. a little bit then about how people can continue this conversation with you in a more direct way? Absolutely. Please go to MiamiNightLLC.com. You will learn all about my mentorship, my grief and bereavement classes, my products, and also the podcast. You can go to my IG and Facebook, which is Miami Night LLC as well. And my YouTube channel is It's the Miami Night Show Grief Talk. Oh, it's the Miami Night Show Grief Talk. I'll have to go check that out and subscribe. Okay. Yay. All right. Yeah, I've made notes. I've got plenty. I love references. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just part of who I am as a librarian. Love notes and annotations and bibliography. So we've got I'll a say, book I'll to say. add to our reading list, which is the, let me make sure that I have it right here, the key, the key process, a grief guide to mastering spiritual healing. That's correct, right? That's correct. And the name came, my son's name is Ty Key, and I named him after the keys that surround Miami. That's when I, that's how I even came up with his name, because when I was thinking of a boy name, I was like, what can I name him? And so I started thinking about the keys, and that's the land that surrounds Miami, and it means strength and water. And so I, I ended up naming the book because it actually – Taiki, the ability for me able to process this grief in order for me to master this spiritual healing journey. Mm, that is deep and beautiful. Both. I'm going to experience the keys differently uh, <laughs> for the next time Thank I you. go, which is a beautiful honorific of your son. You know, honestly, like yeah. I won't forget your sharing of that is permanently now in my mental file cabinet, (laughs) (laughs) which is robust, I must say, but, you know, it's in the mental storage, but that is, you know, uh, informing that you shared that information as well. And I do want to real quickly here bring back on Lala because uh, she had forgot to mention something, and it is uh, related to your additional products. So, Lala, thank you okay. for popping back on. Hi. Hi, Miami. I just Hi, wanted Lala. to say, as I mentioned, as I mentioned, I had not read the book, and I mentioned the reasons why I had not read the book. However, this wonderful spray, I carry it in my purse. And, you know, you can't be in a grocery store burning sage, you know, or, you know, you, it's, you know so if I ever feel a need to be in an energetic space, a positive space, I, I just – spray it, you know. And I use the grocery store as an example. I never really use it in the grocery store, but you know what I'm saying. You may find yourself in 
and places and the energy may be off and you need to bring yourself back around. And and, and honestly, it makes a difference for me. And I'm about halfway through the box. Oh, 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 you have blessed my soul because when I tell you, when I ask spirit, what is next for the grievers? And this is a really a, a honoring my sister because it only came after her death when this was this came to mind that spirit said, this is what's next. Self-care products that's going to help someone make it through. So thank you for sharing that with me. Oh, that's such, it just warms my heart. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes, and thank that's you. the truth. It's not just a, it's not just a sale to say, oh, I'm, I, no, this is the truth, and thank oh. you, thank you, Joelle, and thank you, um, Miami, for uh, bringing the products and things to share into your journey and just having the courage to, you know, you know, be outward with it, you know, so I, oh. I, I appreciate, I'm very, I feel very grateful that, you know, you, you, that, that particular day, Joelle, you had that energy with my son, and uh, it led you to Miami, and I, I, I definitely will be in touch with you, I think that, you know, you will be a great source to, um, you know, help me continue my healing journey. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Lala. Thank you, You're Lala. Welcome. Thank both of you, and thank everyone that's on the show. I have a good day. Yes, yes. You too. You so know, I just tell me I it will be all of this. Huh? Tell me this amazing show is going to be all of this. You're amazing. Thank you so much for the insight. I truly appreciate you. Oh, this is my joy, like really, because we, we're we here to learn from each other and your yes. journey of writing the book and sharing for every 100,000 people who've experienced what you experienced, that it was not in them to do the public conversation it, because it's, and it's okay that it wasn't in them, you know what I mean? But for yeah. you be able to do this, as you said, and for it to be part of your purpose and falling into like a calling that you never knew that you had in terms of your ability to even communicate to others who are similarly situated to you, you know, I I just have to acknowledge that because it's deeply personal and painful, and here you are having that those conversations in public space for people like me yeah. to say, hey, come talk to her. I don't have the tools oh. to come talk to her, you know, and so I thank you for being, and of course, Arthur, I'm super, I always give yeah. Arthur to all the beautiful people that I met through his yes, yes. Uh, holistic energy lifting and the work that he's doing, bringing meditation and high vibes to the community out there in Snow Mountain. So uh, before yes. we wrap up, let me just share with everyone that in the next weeks I have several guests lined up. Um, immediately coming up next week, we have Kalina Brown. Kalina is a licensed professional counselor, and um, she is an amazing uh, facilitator, growth catalyst, and what she is going to be having a conversation about is uh, what do you believe 
is going to be her question. And we've had some preliminary chats about it, but I don't want to do it in per you know, with her personally because I really want to have the food for thought together and share that yeah. experience with all of you. Because our beliefs really do then shape um, you know, how we experience something. And you did touch about how that word suicide and there is a lot of heavy teaching about what it means to have gotten to a place where you take your own life. And mm-hmm. beliefs around that can really complicate. That's just one example, you know, um, uh, but it can really make your experience way more intense based on mm-hmm. what you believe. If you believe that men don't cry, you know, those kind of things. So we're going to be here next week on Thursday for that conversation, and then the week after that is Essence Turner, also known as Beautiful Happy Goddess, and Essence is a Radical Forgiveness Coach, and so we're also going to be touching on that S word that you mentioned about forgiveness <laughs> and yeah. that aspect of moving into grief healing, and then we have a panel that is going to be focused on the masculine experience of grief, which is different, as we uh, know. Um, I have yeah. a couple panelists tentative for that. And then the following week, we got, I think I've had seven or eight weeks of this uh, lined up so far, hoping to confirm the last few guests, but um, about families. And so Kate club is a, a nonprofit that is there to help families and children especially who are dealing with the loss of a sibling or parent and the ways that they at six seven eight and then later in life will process the loss of that loved one so i'm hoping to have uh, the kate's club person confirmed and then we're going to talk about medicine plant medicine such as with uh, cannabis mushrooms ayahuasca uh, shamanic, as you talk about ways of invoking the medicine path in a holistic way, not a harmful way in terms of self-medicating uh, as a way to maybe get beyond to a level of healing that we might not be able to accomplish with uh, traditional therapeutic or in companionship with, with traditional therapeutic means. So as you can see, we've got like a wide ranging, uh, the whole goal is to have different lenses in which to examine the process of grief. And so, you know, this evening through the lens of violence and a parent who has lost a child to violence through another and the resulting outcomes of that that turned into something positive for other people. That has been the lens uh, that we've been working through this evening, and I'm just very so grateful that you were able to join me for this. It has been my pleasure. Thank you so much for the invite. I truly appreciate your time. Did you have any, like, last words of guidance to First, the person who sees someone grieving in their life, and then lastly, to the person who is dealing with grief that is unspoken, you know, what would you say to those two people? I would say 
to really acknowledge your feelings and and the emotions that you are maybe having within a day. And I always use this thing I call the 4F method, which is to face it, whatever that emotion and feel it is, okay? So if I'm feeling down and out about my son, I face the fact that I'm having this uh, emotional experience. I feel it wherever it comes up in my body. It may be in my heart. It could be in my um, stomach area where, that, where that, that gut experience, gut experiences or feeling is, which is the solar plexus area. I face, I feel, I forgive, which is the third step. I forgive it coming to me. I forgive it. I forgive me even having this experience. So why, whatever the, the situation is, I face it, I feel it, I forgive it, and then I free it. I release it. From my okay. body. I want to face, feel. I know I missed something. Forgive face, and free. Forgive and free. Okay. okay. And I make that a ritual. Mm. For forgive, face, feel, and free. Face. Face is first. So if you think about okay. facing, face. So face forward. So that would be number one. Face it. Then I'm going to feel it where it is in the body. Then I'm going to forgive the essence of it, if it's mine or if it was somebody else's, just being, giving gratitude to the forgiveness that it even came to me to know that I need to experience this to work on it. And then to free it, to release it. Mm-hmm. And keeping that as a, even a mantra, a meditation, face it, feel it, forgive it, free it. Face it, feel it, forgive it, free it. Use it as a mantra. Mm-hmm. Use it as a, as a tool to be able to relinquish yourself from the grievances that one may have. That's mm-hmm. gold nugget right there. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I can just, yes, I'm going to be using that because I love mnemonic devices. And there's a lot of things, like you said, you have to face it first. Okay, absolutely. Yes. Well, Miami, thank you. We're getting ready to go ahead and close here because my time is up. But I thank you again. That's Miami Night and MiamiNightLLC.com, correct? That's correct. Right. And you can find her on Instagram and Facebook as well. I'll be doing my best to tag and send your information out to as many people as possible. And to each of you who tuned in this evening, I just thank you for spending time on this discussion with us. Uh, You know, the whole point is to elevate and raise to a higher frequency through the opportunity to share insights with another person. And I truly think that this evening we have definitely accomplished that. I definitely think that this was high vibe, positive, and that there are going to be continued, you know, Reverbing this energy is going to spread outward to people who we have no idea that will hear this uh, podcast in the future. And I'm just so grateful that it is going to be there for them in the exact moment that they need it. Ah, Shay, thank you so much once again. I appreciate you. 
All right, everyone. We will see you next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern time on Conversational Elevation with the Vibrarian. And I'm wishing for you an abundantly blessed week that all of the blessings you receive should spill out from your arms to overflowing to bless the world around you. The light in me absolutely honors the light in you. Namaste. Namaste.